Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. How are you? How are you wonderful people? We are streaming both live on Twitch and YouTube today, so it's very exciting for us. Um, my name is Jordan. You did not mute I am... your stream. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we can uh, have one stream on one monitor and another on the other and like yeah. see whose latency <laughs> is the worst, I guess. <laughs> um, my name is Jordan and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Um, and this is just a fun little, I say little because we kind of have a loose format where we just want to talk about games that we've ran in the past week games that we've been in, um, various fun things like that. So it's, and I'm going to pause my video so I'm not watching my face because that's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, thank you guys so much for coming out and watching um, watching our, our Saturday morning D&D show. We're going to dive right in, I guess. And I'm going to ask you, Mr. Lucian, uh, what did you do the past week of gaming? All right, well... It was a little slower, got to play, didn't get to run as much, had a work commitment come up. So we ended up yeah, uh, postponing <laughs> Monday and Thursday, definitely. <laughs> but we did get to play. Uh, our very first session was streamed Tuesday night um, on Anaris's channel. And we had a fantastic uh, Tomb of Annihilation first episode nice. Adventure Leagues version. And it was really, really fun, really good. Great character interactions between me and PB and Nomadic, um, which we're playing like a, a tortle druid. A, oh, that's what I want to play. Yeah, there you go. Halfling <laughs> fighter. And then I'm playing a dragonborn hexblade. Oh, and, sweet. Uh, but we're all playing it. The, the personalities are all very naive. And so they're all kind of bumbling into things that they don't realize what's going on and people are trying to figure out why why are they asking these weird questions and it's just super funny so far yeah and uh it's been great it's been really fun that's cool um so you're playing a dragonborn hexblade uh when can people catch it if they want to watch it that one is tuesday night uh 7 30 p.m eastern right around that time once everybody shows up and then we start streaming and that's over on anaris's Anar um, yeah yeah, uh, Twitch channel, and then he uploads it to YouTube. He's got a brand new YouTube where he's putting all that stuff up. He could definitely use some subscribers. And uh, he's also, you can find, um, if you're doing Roll20 stuff, he is a graphic design artist, and he sells stuff on the Roll20 uh, marketplace. So you can get tokens or maps and all kinds of oh, stuff that's like really that cool. from him too. Look up uh, Dylan Grender, I believe is his last name. So you can okay. see all that stuff. And I'll try to get those links and put them in the show notes too so people can check it out if they want to. Yeah. Because that's yeah, always good, fun. Good group. Um, mm -hmm. How did you start Tomb of Annihilation? How does it start? Where do you guys, like, how far did you get? Well, we uh, we talked to a person who brought us together and wanted us to um, investigate the death curse, which I think everybody that knows about Tomb of Annihilation yeah. knows the plot is around. So I'm not spoiling that. Um, and then she, once we were ready, was able to bring us to the starting town. Mm -hmm. And from there, the session turns into, well, we're going to have an expedition in the jungle. We need to do all the things that prepare for that. So it nice. wasn't like any combat, but it was like meeting a lot of NPCs, mm -hmm. figuring out the stuff that we would need, talk to people. Um, and so it was a really good RP session to get things set um, to see if hopefully by our next session, we're actually making our first trek into the jungle. Cool. Very cool. Um, so, man, I read, say what? Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, yeah, I ahead. read tomb of annihilation and, um, loved it. And I really want to run it. 
uh, and it's just one of those, like, I think Wizards really blew it out of the park with that one. Like, it it touches on, like, there's so many fun little NPCs to, to plot around. There's, like, a looming threat that does a really good job. And then there's just really, I love exploration. And the whole fact yeah. that there's this giant map that you can kind of just, like, walk around is really cool. Yeah, I, I've been seeing a lot of um, other GMs kind of saying the same thing. Like, this one has really been their best of the year. Like, I'm doing Storm King's Thunder, and I think it's great, but I've been hearing really good things from Tomb of Annihilation. That's cool. Very cool. So, apparently, my stream is lagging a little bit. So, oh. I'm not sure entirely what to do. Sorry, guys. I think it's probably because I'm recording this as well. And I want to record this. Hmm. So maybe. So we'll work it out, though. It's all, you know, all technical stuff we'll eventually get. Uh, yeah. So I apologize. Um, I'm going to say. No, we'll keep going. Keep doing that. Solution on Twitch <laughs> for <laughs> a faster stream. Yeah. And I'll upload this um, when I get a chance. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I didn't run any D&D, which is kind of sad, um, but did a lot of, like, game prep and kind of read a bunch of modules. I've been reading a lot of Spelljammer. Um, I found some old Spelljammer books, and, uh, I'm trying to get the, specifically, I want to figure out the ship combat, um, because reading AD&D books, they don't hold your hand with the rules. Like, they're kind of like, like I, I read it, and then I'm just like, what did I read? And I have to go back and reread it. Um, so I my plan today is, after our stream, I'm going to drop a bunch of, um, like, tokens on the board, and I'm going to pretend that they're a bunch of ships. And I'm going to see if I can do ship-to-ship combat because Spelljammer is really cool with that. Like, every ship has hit points. They have, like, a speed maneuver. They have um, weapons and stuff on them. And that's my goal is to figure that out because eventually I want to get my players to go into space to play, like, a Spelljammer game. Like, I want to take the high-level aspect. They're level 9 right now. When they get to, like, level 12 or 13, I want them to eventually find their way into space. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for lots of different stories. And, like, isn't that, like, where all the Illithid ships and Githyanki and Githedra or Ezra or something like that? Yeah, I can't remember. The Githyanki and the Githzerai. Um, Zerai, that's what it was. There yeah. was uh, the Scrow, which is, like, high-tech evil orcs. I was reading about them in one of the adventure called Goblin's Army that I'm reading. And stealing, plan on stealing a bunch of stuff from that uh so yeah it's kind of space works that can't space go works. wrong at all <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome a spell jammer so what what made you think um because they don't really have a spell jammer fifth edition so what you're talking about is fine-tuning the yeah. old rules for spell jammer to work with fifth edition yeah so i'm reading the ad and d books and there are conversion guides for monsters and conversion guides for a lot of other things but not not like entirely take this adventure and, and convert it over. So I think what I will do is take the, um, take the mechanics that I want. So like fifth edition doesn't have um, ship combat mechanics. So my goal is to take those mechanics and 
and utilize them. And then when it's like, rather than converting a monster over, I'll probably just find like an equivalent monster in fifth edition and use that or build new encounters. So like space orcs, I might make them rather than orcs because orcs to a level 13 party are pretty easy. I would make, um, maybe some higher level monsters and just like reskin them as orcs. Cause that's a lot easier than trying to convert stats from AD and D to yeah, fifth while edition. you were saying that it reminded me there's a game out there that is fifth edition based called Esper Genesis, mm-hmm. which is more of a futuristic take using the fifth edition rules. So you might look into that and see if there's anything okay. that would fit with some of the things you're already doing. Cause like we all do is I think as, as game masters, as we all, we get an idea and we decide to reinvent the wheel first mm-hmm. before we tell ourselves, wait a minute, maybe somebody's already done this or maybe it's already done. Maybe I don't have to reinvent the wheel, but we're always these people that want to reinvent wheels. All yeah. The time. <laughs> um, well, we were talking about it earlier this morning that uh, I want to have, I want to start like a new game where we build it from the beginning. Like I get, a, I have a session zero where I have like, okay guys, we're going to build the, um, and this what spawned this is you were talking about reinventing the wheel but like i want to take them and i want to reinvent the wheel with them i want to like grab them and say okay we're gonna we're gonna make the world together so like where where are the lines for this continent are there islands are there mountains like where are all this stuff and i want it to be a collaborative effort between all my players so that they know the world like 100 percent before they um before we start playing Right. Um, and I really like that idea of they know where they're from. They know a lot of the the terrain um, before they create a backstory, before they create like what city they're from, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you yeah. were talking about some really awesome like resources for that. What were those again? Yeah, it's the, there's a lot of games that kind of start the game out that way. The Powered by the Apocalypse Engine games are, are notorious for you're going to sit down, there's no real prep happening before it, and you build the characters at the same time you're doing world world building with your players. So they have like a buy-in to, you know, making up some of the ideas that's gonna be in this world that you're about to play. And as an example, uh, when I was at Gen Con this last year, I was able to host a game of um, Urban Shadows, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. And that game has you in the first hour, let them make characters, let them come up with reasons they're tied together and who their nemesis and enemies are. Let them define what is it in our world that we're about to play with. What is a vampire? What is a werewolf? What are what are ghosts? You know, what are some things? It doesn't have to be like fully defined, but just the feel of it or a couple of things so that we all are on the same page. So mm-hmm. now that when we play in this world, we've all got some buy-in to say, yes, that's the type of... Because really, if you said, I'm going to play a vampire game, how many different types of vampire games could you play, right? Because yeah. there's, there's a million movies and you could play anything from hyper gory to super political to, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So that doesn't really define it. But when you're sitting with your group and you say, let's come up collaboratively with what are goblins? Where did goblins come from? What, are they big and brooding? Are they small like in other games? What do we want them mm-hmm. to be? Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, they're like gremlins. You know, they're like from the movie Gremlins. That's what we want our goblins to be. Like, okay, now you get what your players want and you move that into your story and you can go on. So they get buy-in yeah. to not only your world building, but um, to the characters and the development of it. And that's what I'm talking about. Like if we set, if we set mountains in the North, 
what exists in these mountains in the north? And my players will be like, oh, frost giants live there. And I'm like, are they friendly? Or are they standoffish? Or are they like territorial? Are they, you know, like there's so many options that your players can weigh in. And that's like the fun of D&D is like that collaborative yeah. storytelling stuff. Like I love it. So Yeah, and I think as GMs, we're world builders. That's one of the reasons we get into it because the, the fun for us comes from being able to express the creativity of I'm building this world and this storyline and these cool people, but there's no reason not to bring the players into some of that aspect. It doesn't mean they have to be a part of all of it, but they can definitely be a part of more of it than none. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's a, there's a middle road. And speaking of that, like we were, it's new game master month, January's new game master month. And welcome all you new game masters. Yeah, for sure. And for those people that are, nervous and scared to run a game like do this utilize this have your um have your your party help you build the world with you because all a lot of people all they need is just a little poke and the creativity starts coming out and it's like oh okay like i'm supposed to like i don't know you start asking questions like is there a river here? What inhabits this river? Is it a safe river? Is it whatever? And and you start asking enough questions, you could build a whole world with your party. And I think, I think your players will have a lot of fun doing that. Like there might be some yeah. people out there that think it's boring because they just want like D and D combat or something. But I think for the most part, they'll find it fun. So. Yeah. And it also offloads some of the workload you have yeah. and the anxiety of, I need to know everything because they might ask me a question and they're going to look to me to know the answer. Well, in more of a collaborative game, you can bring up stuff that says, hey, you guys see this, like you just said, river. Let's give it a name. Okay, we wrote it down. Now it wasn't pressured on me to have that prep before we got to the session yeah. and have all that stuff out. So there's there's definitely, it's a, it's a style of play where you're leaning more towards letting them be collaborative in the story and not worrying so much about mechanical play, whereas D&D is kind of to the left of like, very mechanical play, right? Mm-hmm. Or can be. And you just get to decide what campaign you're running, where you want to fall into that. Do you want to be more story driven? Do you want to be more mechanical? Or I'm somewhere in between both of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And I think that's really yeah. cool. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like building characters. You said that, well, I should plug this. So I'm running or I'm not running. I'm going to be in a game next Saturday at 10 AM Eastern. Um, Cody Lewis from Taking 20 is going to run a, and I'm looking at it here, which is why I'm I'm staring off in the corner, <laughs> but he's making a, a game for a 12-hour charity event for Extra Life for Kids. And so we're going to be the first um, game in the morning of this uh, D&D st- stream on Twitch. Um, so you guys should come, come check it out. It's going to be Unmade Gaming. Twitch t- twitch.tv slash Unmade Gaming is going to be hosting it. Um, and so our show is actually going to be delayed an hour next Saturday because I'm going to be in this live stream. Um, but we haven't talked about what characters we're going to make yet. And you were talking about there's like a turtle druid. And I really want to do the arc, the unearthed arcana uh, spore druid. And I want to nice. make him a turtle. And I want to name him Nordle. Nordle the turtle, the spore druid turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to hear you say that a bunch of times yeah, on yeah. the stream because it's going <laughs> to be It's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, um, I, I've always read the new Unearthed Arcana as they come out. And this one spe- specifically, I really liked the Spore Druid. Like I liked the mechanics of it. I liked that it was this like dark kind of fungal druid of death and decay. 
Like, yeah. I don't know. Do you follow the, un, or the Unearthed Arcanas? Do you watch, read it? Yeah, yeah. It was in our notes, too, because, like, last week they released that video, and it talked about um, School of Invention for Wizards. It talked about yeah. Circle of Spores for Druids, and it talked about the Brute for the Fighter. And I love anything that gives us more options, right? I'm definitely a car- uh, person, player, GM, who always wants more options for stuff. Um, and I know it confuses some people, especially if you're new to have all of this stuff. But once you're in the hobby enough, you just there's just these things that you want. And I thought it was really cool. I, I knew you would like it because you just played in our Sunday game um, where we wrapped up, yeah. you know, McLancy Waddle Smiles campaign. You were just playing a death cleric, you know. So I knew when I saw Circle of Spores, I was like, Jordan's going to like this because he just likes <laughs> these weird combinations of yeah. you wouldn't think of the Druid being associated with death and decay. But in reality, that's exactly what Druids would be, you know. Yeah because they're about the balance of those things and those, those, um, presences in nature. Yeah. Yeah, no. And our, our game that we played with you last week, last Sunday, um, that's my, I'm playing a Goliath death cleric and that's kind of the, like I do, I like those weird things. And so he, he was raised from a barbarian tribe, um, for the Loviatar, the lady of pain, he worships the goddess of pain. So everything in this barbarian tribe is like existence is pain. And you, you, you know, you, you suffer the weather, you suffer your, the elemental conditions, you suffer fighting with other people. Um, you suffer hunger because you're out like a barbarian tribe, like without, without food sometimes and all this other stuff. So that was a lot of fun to create that yeah, character. We got to explore a lot of yeah. what it was to be a cleric of Leviatar in just a pretty small arc. But I felt like, it was cool to explore something you wouldn't, we haven't really seen in a lot of other um, games that we've watched or played. Um, I'm going to do another, sorry for the lag guys. Check us out on solutions no. stream. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm going to answer a question from chat that we got. That yeah. was pretty good. Uh, Cyberwolf 1201 asked any lessons learned advice on running storm King thunder tomb of annihilation or converting from earlier editions. And my experience I'm running a, uh, Storm King's Thunder, been running it now for a year. We're on, we're like on session 55 or 56, maybe 57. I don't even remember at this point. There's so many of them. It's a big module. Um, Be prepared for it to take a long time to play. Um, I will give you some advice when you get for GMs that want to run it. Chapter one and two are fantastic. Chapter three, and you'll see this all over internet, chapter three is rough because it goes from a very kind of um, linear storyline to a let your players do whatever they want all over the sword coast. And you're talking about thousands of square miles and you're just like, where do you want to go? There's nothing leading them. There's nothing pushing them. There's nothing going on. It's just let them wander around. And it's supposed to be your open world version during that chapter three. So be ready for that. Be ready for that um, to happen and work through it you'll get into chapter four and chapter five pretty quick after that but let let that breathe and it's great on roll 20 um so my experience is from purchasing it and using it on roll 20 and running it it is fantastic you have all the tokens you have all the notes you have everything you need to run the game you have the maps are all set up and ready to go they're big maps be ready for that um but i think it's a fantastic module i'm we're gonna play probably through the whole thing because it's been that good. It's not been yeah. one where we said, ah, let's just stop because nobody really likes it. Yeah, that was another one that I um, I bought it for the D&D lore because uh, specifically that chapter you're talking about has all these different towns and cities and it has all these it, this little bit of information about each and every one of them. 
Um, so yeah. Storm King's Thunder is great for that and, and read through it. And yeah, that's a super fun module, but I can see what you're saying where it, it's not on rails specifically, but like your, your party has a very definite definition or not a definition destination that they need to go to. Like they have clear goals and then they get to that one chapter and it's kind of this go explore. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, it just opens up and now the choices are really big, but it's, they put in, that's the part though, too, where how they describe what you should do is down to like one or two sentences. So like if you go to the town of Yarder, they might have a small paragraph about what you should do there or what you could do, but it's left up to you to really put your own personal adventure in or you decide what you want to do. It's great time to tie in backstory during chapter three Mm -hmm. Um, because chapter one is really you know, the Nightstone stuff, you know, chapter two is moving on from those. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but they have really kind of definitive things that they have things in front of them. They can go do chapter three, lets you tie in backstories, bring in your own personal thing. Like if you said, I, you know, I just want them to fight an undead dragon of some sort, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, put it in there, you know, have your fun there. And then it's going to get back on the rails again after that a little bit. So yeah. I think it's great. I don't want to sidetrack us too much. Uh, Cyberwolf asked a good question. He said, uh, thanks to us for answering, no problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, great question. Yeah, if you guys have questions, uh, you can preface it with, like, question in the chat, I think, and then that makes it easier for us to see. But, yeah, um, yeah we'll we'll be happy to answer any questions. Um, so, go not ahead. to sidetrack, but did you decide what character you're going to play? Because I saw in your show notes you've got, like, four things yeah. there, and I'm assuming they're not <laughs> letting you play four characters. Well, we haven't talked about it yet, so that's, like, I'm probably going to email Cody today and just be like, so what can we make for this character? Because you're right, like, I love building characters, and so this past two weeks I've been um, not working at my job and building characters instead because that sounds like a great use of my time. Um, yes. And so I've made a – let me pull it up here. Um, I made a, a drow sorcerer that uses shadow blade and melee spells. So kind of a, a melee sorcerer that focuses on using specifically shadow blade and green flame blade. I think it's called the cantrip. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of his spell slots are used for spells like shield to protect himself, um, raises AC for that one round, which I thought was really cool. Uh then there's the the spore druid turtle that I still want to do because I love this idea of like the spores coming out of his shell. Like he's got holes in his shell and these spores just kind of like flush out and and do a bunch of damage. Another idea was a water genasi gloom ranger cuz like God, the gloom, the ranger, gloom ranger, ranger from looks so oh, good. I know, doesn't it? Like the gloom ranger is mechanically looks really fun to play. And yeah. the ranger kind of, I mean, I think it's the beast ranger is like got the shaft of fifth edition. Like it's just the the least useful of all of the, I don't know. My, I have somebody in my campaign that plays the beast druid. So we've seen it firsthand where she's just kind of been lacking behind the rest of the other players because mechanically she's just not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really upped the ranger status with like the gloom ranger and Xanathar's guide in general. So, and then I love wizards and I want to play like an elf song, an elf blade song wizard from the sword coast adventurers guide would be really fun too. So I kind of need to see what other people are playing too. I'm that guy where I'm like, I don't really mind, like, I don't mind playing any of these. I'll fill a niche in a party, but we'll see. So, yeah. So tune in next week and see what I play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We had another, uh, here's a question for you from chat. So this Mm -hmm. is from uh, dark side cad or CAD. 
Uh, how do you feel about someone charging money for being a DM? Um, you know, it's a lot of work and I personally like, it's fun for me and it's fun for my players. So we all get together, but if you're in a position where you can't find a DM and somebody's, I don't know, like, I think it's fine overall. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, if you really think about it, if you're, if you're having like a four hour session, kicking five or $10 to have four hours of entertainment is pretty, pretty cheap. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think it's funny because I think there's definitely space for somebody who's going to be a full-time kind of DM or GM game master, dungeon yeah. master who wants to say, Hey, I would love to run games for parties. I would love for that to be what I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I can't really do that if I have a, an actual job. So I need to find a way that I could do this for all these different people. Mm. But I also think there's a lot of pitfalls and there's a lot of dangers to trying to do it half-heartedly, trying to do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like, um, trying to, or not putting in the quality that those yeah. players will expect or now putting pressure on yourself because if you think if you've got your five players paying you ten bucks, how much more prep or time are you going to put into that campaign yeah. versus your friends who are like they just want to come over and have some chips and dip or whatever? And or and let's play. say so, you have three or four campaigns that people are paying you five or ten dollars to to run. Um, that's in a week. Like that's a lot of prep. And I guess if that's your full time job, but there's always a danger of turning your hobby into a job. Um, yeah. there's a danger of you just not enjoying your hobby anymore. There's a danger of, um, I don't know. There's just always a danger with that. So, yeah. yeah. So I, well, I think it's everything with moderation, right? That's what yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I think you have to be careful. I think you have to make sure you know the reasons you're in it. You want to make sure that if this is fun for you, that you don't lose that. If it's fun for the players, you don't lose that if there's a way for there to be a monetary value to that and you can still keep mm -hmm. your fun and their fun, then you should do it. If you can't keep those two things, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know I mean, well, like, and how different is it? Like my, my players bring food every week. Like we don't prep mm -hmm. any food because I'm running the game. So they bring a whole bunch of food and sometimes they bring pizza and sometimes they bring like carrot sticks and things like that, or, you know, beer or whatever else that's them pitching money to invest in a good time. Um, or the other thing, the other side of the coin I was thinking is like, what if, what if a DM is just like, Hey, I'm going to charge you $5 a game, but I use that money to invest in miniatures for your game. Or I use that money to buy adventures, to buy books for your game. Like, I don't think, I don't think there are dungeon masters out there that are making a living off of running games, but it's really difficult I feel like for the most part, if, if a dungeon master is, is charging you, ask him what's it for. Like, cause I, if I had yeah. a guy who was just like, Hey, um, do you guys mind if you pitch in $5 for this game? I'd be it's like, for well, my retirement fund. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put it into a Roth IRA, you know, <laughs> I'm like, in fact, I was just thinking in. you hadn't, um, sent the check yet for the three games I ran right. that you were in. I'm still yeah. kind of waiting. For uh, I think I got money, the zip code so wrong or something. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> so that's a good question. I mean, that's probably like a whole show at some point too. That yeah, we it is probably a whole show. Around. Yeah. That's a good, good question. Um, I've got more questions, but I want to make sure we get to the things that we wanted to yeah. talk about too. So I'll, 
let's let's make sure we get to that and then i have some questions at the end if we want to do a couple more no that's good um what else do we want to talk about Ooh. well i did want to highlight again that it was uh this is we're right in the middle almost towards the end now of new gm month and for all of those new gms out there um, these are the type of shows that we hope are helping you don't be afraid. I think we've said it last week quite a bit, and I want to just, I'm going to say it in every session show we have this week. Don't be afraid to, to start your game. Don't think you need to prep for a year before you can play. Um, don't be worried about getting everything right. Don't worry about your players are there to have fun. They're there to support you. They want you to succeed. Just play. Just yeah. get into it. If you've got to look a rule up, it doesn't matter. Get in, play, make those stories, and you can improve and get better over time. You don't have to memorize everything before you start to play. And the key thing there is, I think you said it, uh, or you did say it, but I think it's key, is that your players want you to succeed. Like nobody, no no decent player is out there being like, man, how can I like trip up the DM? And if that's their case, then they need to not be playing with you. <laughs> but that usually right. doesn't happen because your players want, they want a DM. Like how many DMs out there want to play games, like, but they can't because they can't find a dungeon master. Like players want dungeon masters. So remember that. And I look up rules all the time. Like you just pause, pause the game for a little bit and you say, I'm going to grow, like figure out how that spell works while I go and grab some more carrots or another slice of pizza. So <laughs> I'll give you another one here. See if we can answer it quickly. Uh, a yeah. question for both me and you. Tell us about your all-time favorite NPC. Oh, man. So I made a a druid dwarf um, for a campaign that I was running with my friends. Um, and I think his name was like Clarence. Waterhaven, I think I'm, I'm getting the first name wrong, but it was something Waterhaven. And he was a druid that uh, was like a coastline druid. And his whole goal as a dwarf was he was trying to figure out how to mine the ocean floor. And so he hired my adventurers to figure out how to go out to the ocean and mine the ocean floor because he's like, it's rich with minerals and, and we, we can't, uh, nobody can touch it because it's under like several, you know, hundred feet of water. So that was really fun. Awesome. So it was they they basically he he brought them an apparatus of Kowalsh. So they had like a little like scuba or a submarine, and they would go down to the bottom and do a bunch of like potions of water breathing to get out there and try to figure out a way of mining the ocean floor. And they found a bunch of gems, and it was this like fun thing where he came back up with ore and gems and minerals, and so he was really happy that the adventurers helped him. And of course there were sharks to fight and various other things going on. But yeah, I think that was probably probably my favorite NPC because the he just had a ridiculous accent and a ridiculous premise. And it was again, another, another, like the characters that I build, like the Goliath death cleric, like a, <laughs> a wild shaping druid that turns into an octopus or something is bizarre and fun. So I like, I like yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I would say I, him. My favorite right now uh, just happened in the game we played on Sunday was uh the young 10-year-old bard Sparrowlock who oh, yeah. uh, tried to follow the party around. Uh, we have a folk hero in the group, and he's trying to be a bard. He's super young, ends up following the group out on their adventure. They, they decide to take him along, and at the end of that adventure, he gets kidnapped, which turns into more of storyline if we ever move on from that campaign. And I just like the idea of 
um, bringing that character in and how you guys mm-hmm. were able to interact with them and um, you know the the conundrum it put you in as a party to have somebody like that and I just thought that was such a fun relevant thing to do to, to give you some moral decisions that you have to make so I thought it was really cool and yeah fun. it was fun that was a good character so um, yeah so there's other questions there but you know we probably there'll be shows where we won't get to all of them uh, we can always try if you don't get your question answered here you can always go to Jordan's YouTube channel he's gonna post these you're posting them on Monday correct um, yeah, I think I'm going to upload them on Monday. So yeah, throw your questions in there. Cause we're watching that comment area too, or even, um, in any of our other games that we're streaming, just come on in and ask us questions. So yeah, for sure. There, I'll but... try to answer as many as I can, but thank you guys again for watching. I'm sorry for my stream. I don't know what's going on. I'm gonna have to f- figure my internet out. I was really excited for this to work and it didn't work. We, we went from like, like 40 people watching to like five. So <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> but I'm happy that you we'll were able, to, we'll able to go it. over to solution stream and watch there. And I will post this uh, when I get a chance. So yeah. thank you again for watching everybody. This has been the Saturday morning D and D show solution. Bye-bye. Bye-bye everybody. Thanks again. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.